You can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 67. We will be there in a minute. Psalm 67. So what do you do with things that you enjoy, crave, or are passionate about? We make time and space for them, right? We enjoy them. We participate in those activities. We budget our money and time around those things so that we're able to actually do those things, partake in those things, and then we talk about them. Things that we enjoy, we talk about. We even try to persuade people that those things are fun, those things are enjoyable, and that they should do them. If I polled you right now and I asked you whether Coke or Pepsi is better, I guarantee you almost everyone would have an opinion, and I would guess that most people would think that somebody else's opinion is wrong and would be able to explain why. If I asked you what your favorite food or candy is, you'd probably be able to passionately argue why that is actually the best food to have as your favorite. So why are we so passionate about these things and activities? Because these things and activities give us some fleeting sense of satisfaction. Our main purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. God who satisfies us completely is the God His people are called to enjoy, worship, and proclaim. He tells us that we're supposed to be salt and light to the earth. He commands us to go and make disciples of all nations. That's not just for special people who go overseas. That's for everybody. People who stay here, people who go, we're all called to go. Hudson Taylor, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot, David Livingston, Amy Carmichael, Adoniram Judson, John Patton. These men and women were all missionaries who wanted to be salt and light to the world around them. They wanted to proclaim their great God among the nations. They each realized that they had been blessed to be a blessing. While most of you have probably heard of many of these names, there are many countless people sitting around the United States today and the past and have gone around the world that you've never heard of that still have taken this call to be a blessing to the nations. This is one of those stories. Robert and Norma Lee Allen were a young couple serving in the ministry of tent evangelism when they felt the call and desire to go to the mission field. They sold most of their belongings except a few basic supplies and their tent, which they still owed money on. They moved to an island in the Pacific Ocean to pastor a church with only $35 a month in support. Shortly after they reached the island and began their ministry, they were made aware that there were some Christians in Korea that were praying and asking for a tent that they could start church services in. Several days later, they discussed the idea of their tent, and they decided that God was leading them to give their tent that they still owed money on to these people in Korea. So they trusted God that he would provide for them and pay for the tent, 
And they sent the tent through the missions office to the people of Korea to never really hear much more about it. Several weeks later, they received a check in the mail from another church for the exact amount of money needed to pay for their tent. And several years later at a missions conference, they were listening to a pastor from Korea speak about how God had miraculously answered their prayer for a tent and had blessed them with this tent and provided them a space for what was then one of the biggest churches in Korea. Come to find out that tent was the tent that they had trusted God to send. They were blessed to be a blessing. Psalm 67 is often called a missionary psalm. The psalm contains a thanksgiving, two petitions, and an acknowledgement that is vitally important. As we read, you'll see verses 1 and 3 as a prayer. It's both a prayer of thanksgiving for God's provision and favor, and it's a petition for his blessing to the nations. Then you'll see in verses 4 and 5 another petition. We see this petition is that the nations would rejoice over God's just judgment and providence. And then in verses 6 and 7, we'll see this acknowledgement that God's earthly temporal blessings to us are for the end purpose of the blessing, the spiritual blessing of the nations. The psalmist longs that all the peoples would join in this quest for God's glory. Let's read from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray. Dear God and Father, you are truly a good God. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ that we could be a blessing to people around us. God, I pray as we study this passage that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged, that we would consider the blessings that we have and that we would be willing to share them with the people around us. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, that's a relief. No one got up and left after verse 2. I was, I was halfway expecting some kid just to bull after the end of verse 2 and go run and find his friend. But uh, This is a very familiar song to us. It's easy to hear the words over and over. We hear them most Sundays and forget the magnitude of the meaning of these verses. This is a missionary psalm. God wants his people to be thankful for God's provision and favor. It also wants us to plead to God that his blessing would be on all the nations. 
It calls us to plead that as the nations truly see and understand God's blessing, that they would rejoice over God's just judgment and providence. And lastly, it calls God's people to understand that God's earthly blessing to us are to the end and purpose of the actual blessing, the spiritual blessing of Jesus. In other words, this psalm, having begun with adoration and praise of God for his bounty, quickly becomes a missionary prayer. It quickly becomes a petition that God would bless all the nations. The psalmist longs that all the peoples would join in this quest for God's glory. Believer, we are blessed in Jesus Christ with every blessing so that we can be a blessing to the people around us in order to bring God praise and glory. We are blessed by God in Christ Jesus with every blessing so that we can be a blessing to the people around us in order to bring God praise and glory. We're going to look at three main things from this psalm. Kids, adults if you want, but kids, I know sometimes sermons hard to pay attention to, so you can interact with me. Um, So kids, you can go ahead and hold up three fingers. We're going to look at three things. And first, first we're going to look at the promise of the blessing, all right? And so the sign for the promise of the blessing, if you want to pay attention and you don't have to do it up in the air, you can do it out your seat. But the promise for the blessing is going to be your pinkies crossed, like a pinky promise, all right? So the promise of the blessing. And then second, we're going to look at the purpose of the blessing. And so the symbol for the purpose of the blessing can be you can pull out your pretend bow and arrow and you can aim it at your target. Don't point it at your brother or sister, all right? But you aim it at your target. So the purpose of the blessing. And then Thirdly, we're going to look at the proclamation of the blessing. So you're going to pretend, pull out your pretend megaphone because you want to proclaim God's blessing to the nation. All right. So number one, the promise of the blessing. Verse number one, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Why are we promised this blessing? What does this blessing mean? Within the promise of the blessing, we're going to look at four things. First, our need for the blessing. Simply stated, the need for the blessing is sin. Sin separates us and alienates us from the holy God. Think all the way back to the garden Adam and Eve first sinned. In Genesis 3.15, we see the first mention of the good news of the gospel and everyone's need for the blessing. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Romans expresses the need for the blessing this way. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For, indeed, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. This sin brought death, 
separation and alienation to all mankind because all mankind sinned. Most of the youth group memorized Romans 3.23, and I'm not going to call anybody out to say it, but it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, all mankind is in need of this blessing because all mankind is initially separated from the holy God because of sin. Secondly, not only is there a need for the promise of the blessing, but we need to look at the people of the blessing. Mankind is in need of this blessing because of sin. So who did God choose to bless? So we see that Psalm 67 is a psalm flowing from the covenant that God made to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Notice the blessing wasn't to end with Abraham. He was blessed by God in order to be a blessing to the people that he came into contact with. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Another promise of blessing to the earth, but another foreshadowing of the blessing that was to come, Jesus Christ. God had continued to bless the earth through Abraham. He had created the nation of Israel to be a blessing to the nations around them. God had rescued them from slavery to show his power and his grace and his mercy. And God was preparing them to go into the land that he promised them in order to be a blessing to the nations around them. So we read in Numbers chapter 6, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Notice the similarity of this passage in Numbers to Psalm 67. In this passage, Aaron and his sons were meant to pray this benediction over God's people as a blessing. In Psalm 67, we see this beautiful shift of not Aaron and his sons praying this over the people, but the people praying and singing this corporately. The blessing isn't just for you and for me, but for us and the nations. Next, let's let's look at Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 49, he says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the, the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Even as God's people had rebelled against him again and again, God remained faithful to his covenant with Abraham. God's people would be a blessing to the nations. 
Thirdly, we need to look in the promise of the blessing at the fulfillment of the blessing. So mankind is in need of this blessing because all mankind is sinful. We're separated from the holy God because of sin. And God had covenanted with Abraham to create a people that he would use to bless the nations. And so how was this fulfilled? God was sending the Redeemer, his one and only son, to crush Satan's head. He would defeat sin and death, making a way for all the nations to be blessed by his redemption. Isaiah prophesied to this end in Isaiah 53. He says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet he, we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. John begins the, the picture of this fulfillment of the blessings with the words in John chapter 1. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And Paul paints this picture for us of Jesus' fulfillment of the blessing in Philippians 2, while also encouraging us to continue to be a blessing to God's people and the nations. He says, have this mind among yourself. Christian, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God had highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Sin is the need of the blessing. Jesus is the fulfillment of the blessing. And next we need to look at the hope of the blessing. We have established that man is sinful. Because of sin, we need the blessing. God had promised us a rescuer and redeemer to bless the nations. God had covenanted with a people to make his blessing known among the nations, among all the peoples. God had fulfilled his promise of blessing in Jesus, his one and only son, who crushed Satan's head, defeating sin and death. When he lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death on the cross, and rose victoriously from the grave. So where does that leave us? What hope do we have? Who is our hope? The fulfillment of the blessing is Jesus, and the hope of the blessing is Jesus. It is through Jesus that we can be saved and be given access to God the Father. It is through Jesus that we can become God's people. It is through Jesus that this hope is for the nations. Paul highlights this hope in Romans 
chapter 5, where he says, Therefore, since we have been justified, we've been made right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer at war with God because of what Jesus Christ did. Through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul juxtaposes this hope of the blessing in Ephesians where he says, remember, and he says who we were, we're separated, we're alienated, we're strangers, we're without hope. But he says, but now in Christ, you who were these things, you were stranger and you're alien. It says you've been brought near, you're fellow citizens, and you're members of the household of God. Peter later highlights this hope in 1 Peter chapter 2. He's talking to the Christians. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And lastly, John allows us to look forward to the culmination of the hope of this blessing in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 7, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So first, we're promised... Remember, we're promised the blessing in which we looked at the need of the blessing, the people of the blessing, the fulfillment of the blessing, and the hope of the blessing. And kids, two, the purpose of the blessing. Remember that purpose, that thing that we're aiming at, the purpose of the blessing. So the main purpose of the blessing is praise. So kids, every time in this section you get in fidgety, you can just move your hands like this. This is going to mean praise. So the, the purpose of the blessing is praise. And, and in Psalm 67, first and foremost, we're meant the purpose of the blessing is to praise God. We see it, may God be gracious to us and bless us. And in verse number three, it says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. In verse 5, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And so first and foremost, we want to praise God. What is the chief end of man? What is our purpose? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So we should first and foremost praise God for who He is. God should be known as the one and only true and living God. God alone is worthy of our worship and praise. God's people should loudly sing God's praise to God himself and to the people around them. And secondly, not only do we want to praise God, we want to praise God's power. We should praise God's power in his creation, 
the things around us that we see. We should praise God's power and his kingship. He reigns over the nations and he reigns over you and me. And we should praise God's power and salvation. This fact that he has sent a blessing to us in Jesus Christ. Third, we should praise God because praise God for his justice. Look at verse number four. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you love the people with mercy. No, that's not what it says, does it? That's what you think it would say, right? Praise him for his love, his goodness. It says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. I don't know about you, but it's hard to think about singing for joy to God as judge because I know my sin. I know that I fall short. I know that I can't measure up. The thought of God as judge should be terrifying unless you know him and have met him as Savior. And he sent Jesus for that fact. So that's the good news of the gospel and the blessing that this psalm is talking about. That we can be glad and sing for joy, and God wants the nations to sing for joy, that God is a just judge because Jesus fulfilled the blessing. Jesus, God's one and only Son, came and defeated sin and death, making a way for all the nations, every person, to be blessed by his redemption. We can praise God for his justice in Jesus. In Christ, we no longer have to stand before God as judge. We get to stand before him as father. Next, we're gonna praise, we should praise God for his grace and mercy. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face to shine upon us. God's aim is to be known as a gracious God, the only true God who is just in all of his judgments and sovereign in all of his rule is a God of grace and mercy. And God showed his grace and mercy to us in fulfilling the blessing by sending Jesus. God's redemptive plan that this blessing is pointing us to should be enough in and of itself the fact that we can stand before God as Father and not judge, just close, close the book and that should be enough. But the psalmist points not only to God's grace and mercy and His redemptive plan, but God, but He also doesn't neglect to point out God's grace and mercy in our daily need. Jesus Himself pointed this out when He said pray like this and he told his disciples to pray to God for their daily bread. So if you look in verse 6 it says the let the people's praise you O God. Let all the nations praise let all the people's praise you. In verse 6 the earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. The God who cares about blessing you with Jesus also cares about blessing you with your daily needs. He provides for us. It says the earth has yielded its increase. They harvested the wheat. They harvested the grain. 
God provides us jobs to earn incomes. God provides us blessing in earthly possessions. And why does he do that? So that we get more stuff? So that we would be without need or want? So that we can hoard stuff? No, he answers it in verse 7. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. God cares about blessing us spiritually and physically so that we would be a blessing to other people. So that they would see his grace and mercy in our lives and fear him. That they would see what God has done in us, the great work that he's doing in us, that he's provided for us, and that that would bring fear and admiration and praise to God and the people around us. See, God wants his, his people and the nations to praise him. And lastly, we see that not only should we praise God, but God wants the praise of God's people. Lastly, we see that the purpose of the blessing is that God's people would praise him. God wants his people to make much of him. John Piper writes, The goal of world missions is the gladness of the peoples of peoples and the glory of God. The goal of world missions is the gladness of the peoples and the glory of God. The fuel of that goal is our own gladness in God. If we are not real and deep and fervent in our worship of God, we will not commend him among the peoples with genuineness. How can you say to the nations, be glad in God if you are not glad in God? So how, how can we preach God's message of blessing? How can we say to the nations, be glad if we are not rejoicing, if we are not giving God praise for what he's done? So back to our original question. What do we do with things we enjoy, crave, or are passionate about? We talk about them. We get excited about them. And so the third point of the message, the third point of the message is the proclamation of the gospel, of the blessing. So when we proclaim things, we say it loudly. We say it boldly because we're excited about it. We see the benefit of it. And so we are blessed to be a blessing. Christian, you are an ambassador of the king with the message of hope. And that message of hope is Jesus. J.I. Packer writes, Always and everywhere, the servants of Christ are under orders to evangelize. And we don't evangelize under duty, but we evangelize under delight because we see the God who blessed us and we want to praise him. Psalm 96 verses 2 and 3 says, Sing to the Lord, Bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all the peoples. Matthew 5 tells us to be salt to the earth, light to the world. He's commanding his disciples to be salt and light. What does salt do? It preserves, it enhances flavor. What does light do? It provides perspective. It allows you to see. It allows you to distinguish from the darkness. So 
God wants us to tell of his salvation. He wants us to be salt and light. In Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Christian, you have God's Holy Spirit within you. You have his power within you. You have been saved by the work of Christ. We need to praise him, telling other people about his blessing in our life. We say it here at the church like this. We worship and we lead others to worship. That's this proclamation of the blessing. We worship, and as we worship and praise God for what he's done in our life, we lead other people to worship because they see the great God that we are worshiping. This is not individualistic. It is we, as the people of God, praying this and doing it. This psalm, in Psalm 67, is corporate It has this idea of them saying it together. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. It's we as the people of God praying and doing this. It's the body of Christ, the church united in this. Spurgeon writes, as the showers which first fall upon the hills afterwards run down in streams into the valley. So rain falls and it runs down. So the blessing of the Most High comes upon the world through the church. God's blessing through Jesus comes on the world through the church. We are called to share His blessing, to share Jesus with the world around us. And that's not a call for you just individually. It's a call for us collectively. You're called to go to the people in your neighborhood, your family, the people around you. But we are called to support you in that mission. We are all blessed to be a blessing. So when Jesus comes to the Great Commission, when he comes to his church in Matthew, and he tells his disciples and he tells us to go make disciples of all nations, he wasn't saying something new. The disciples wouldn't have, wouldn't have been like, this is, this is something new you're giving us right before you leave. He was saying, remember Psalm 67 and do it. He's blessed you. He's been gracious to you. Be a blessing to the people around you. Make disciples of all nations, pointing them to God. We as God's people are blessed to be a blessing with our time, our possessions, money, and most importantly, the message of the gospel. We as God's people must proclaim the good news of the gospel to the people we come into contact with, whether it's the person at work, your neighbor, your family member, the cashier, the person in Africa, the person in Montana, or maybe God is calling you to proclaim his blessing to one of the nearly three billion people around the world who've never been reached with the gospel. Three billion people who have never heard the gospel. We as God's people are commanded, called, and entrusted 
with proclaiming God's blessing among the nations. So how do we view blessings? Do we view blessings as things to get and hoard? Or do we view blessings as things to give and be entrusted with? Who do you need to share God's blessing with? There's someone in your life, someone that you'll come into contact this week that you need to share God's blessing with. And for us as a church, will the nation sing of God more tomorrow because of our ministry today? As we worship and lead others to worship, will people see the great God that we're worshiping and praise Him? Let's pray.